Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Pin Tool Podcast. My name is Al Wayman, owner of Creek Road Pottery in Laceyville, Pennsylvania, next to the cold Tuscarora Creek. Pull up your chair around the wheels. We discuss topics concerning the art and craft of pottery, good books, storytelling, marketing, and creating work that matters for folks who care. Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Pin Tool Podcast. This is episode 13 of season two and things were quite busy the last couple weeks around the pottery i had my fall show and i had to hurry and prep work for that because i sold more than expected on the open artist studio tour the artist open studio tour of susquehanna county And as you remember in the last episode, I discussed some of the results from that show. And then two weeks later, I had the fall show here in my pottery shed at Creek Road Pottery. And it was unseasonably warm. The weather felt like it was summer. And it was just a really nice show overall. So I did run into some issues with that show. The speckled clay that I used, a lot of the larger pieces uh, ended up cracking out at the bottom. So I overthrew. I was able to get some larger pieces through uh, the kiln, but I had far more cracks than normal. I don't know if I got a bad mix of clay. I wasn't doing anything different, but... I moved on to this new clay body from Amico, and it seemed to uh, hold up pretty well in the tests that I ran. So I'm going to be using that clay up um, for the Christmas show. So hopefully I'll be able to get some larger pieces out for that. I feel I lost quite a bit of money by not having the larger pieces because quite a few of my customers came down just for those larger pieces and baking dishes. And I had to tell them that they just blew up. (laughs) And so we have that uh, as handmakers. Sometimes things happen where things just might not work because we're not a manufacturing plant. And even though we may have center lines and ways we do things, uh, sometimes... Being an artist and a maker, we take chances and we try things and not everything is going to work out. And sometimes we put ourselves on the hook for that and we just need to be brave and keep keep going. So I'm going to try doing that. So we had a really good turnout. Um, I did really well uh, raising revenue for the kiln and I'm going to use some of that money not only for charity work, but to bring the um, big wood kiln here. So that will be delivered uh, in the next couple weeks. I need to talk to some people and to finalize a few things. And then we're going to load all 10 pallets uh, onto a trailer. And then we're going we're gonna to get them over to uh, my place here at Creek Road Pottery. And then through the winter... I'll try cleaning those bricks up, and in the spring, 
will start the construction of the wood kiln here on the property. So that's pretty exciting. So another exciting thing too was my cousin Beth, who has been to art school, who did a little bit of ceramics, uh, is thinking about selling pots. So I was really excited about that. And I invited her down to the show and I gave her a, a starter updraft electric to gas kiln that I made. So she was able to take that home and she plans on putting it together and making pots. So it's really nice to see family come down to the show and talk to them. And uh, some, some of the people I haven't seen in a real long time. And some of uh, my customers drove uh, quite a ways to get here, which, which I'm very humbled by and I appreciate everybody and all the people that came out. If, if you were one of those people, uh, thanks so much. It, it means the world to me and I feel great that people are enjoying the work that I didn't blow up in the kiln, right? So now, now it's just going to be getting ready for the for the Christmas show. The Christmas show is a month away, and I need to generate some more pots and mix up some more glaze and get things through the firings for that event. It's going to be Black Friday weekend. The Christmas show here at my place in the pottery shed. And I always look forward to the Christmas show. I, I love Christmas. In the last three years, I did Blue Christmas, where all the pots are blue. And um, folks seem to really enjoy that. I had this Christmas tree put up. Some customers donated these cheesy bulbs, right? They're all blue. And I was playing Elvis as long as I could stand it. Elvis Blue Christmas, and uh, my wife, she comes out to help me at times, and she says, Al, if you want me to stay out here, I can't, I can't listen to Blue Christmas more than an hour, so I, I had to turn it off, but uh, that was just a whole lot of fun, and it always is nice seeing everybody, and it's also nice participating with local businesses in my area on these trails and it's been a world of fun so some of the things that i ended up doing really well on uh not only were the larger pieces but um the candles and mugs so sold a lot of candles sold a lot of mugs and also for the first time uh, i was able to have another potter come down and put work in the shed um, the lady who gave me the wood kiln, um, I called her up after I sold out of the bigs, and I said, hey, you got any pots? Bring them on down. So Nan, Nan came down and she put her pots in here. And it was nice seeing her work along with mine, some beautiful studio pots. She made little jars and canisters and a few mugs and some uh, handheld beer cups and a couple of vases. And the style was uh, very complementary to my own work, and it added a nice, a nice form of diversity 
in the work that the customers really enjoyed. So it was great having Nan here. And I'm trying to bring in another potter for the Christmas show, if possible. So three potters, maybe, and uh, that should be a fun time. So I'm really glad Nan sold a lot of work here, and I sold a lot of work here. It was just a, overall a really, really fun event. So we got really good weather the three days for the fall show, and uh, I was happy for that. I think it only rained maybe one day in the morning, and then it cleared up. And then sometimes Sundays were slow, but this Sunday people came all throughout the day. And then my cousin came uh, to get that kiln at the end of the show. So overall it was a, it's a really good, I'm having a really good fall so far. And now it's just going to be getting pots up for the Christmas show and then prep for the spring shows in March. So I, I kind of have a full schedule. And uh, I usually take a break somewhat in the winter, but it's going to be a little bit different this year because I'm on this other trail that I'm starting uh, to take part in. And we already had the first meeting for that already. So I'm kind of excited about getting work up for that. And I'm also working on some new things. So one of the things that I wanted to go through on our topic of pottery design, designing your work, is once you get your prototype together, um, you should also think about how you place in the market. Like, who are you making your pots for? What do you want your pots to say? What changes do you want your pots to make? And what are you making your pots for, right? So, so to answer these questions, um, you need to get into a, a little bit about uh, business philosophy. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Seth Godin and Donald Miller and all those people. And I use story-based, permission-based marketing uh, to, to sell the pots, right? To tell my story to the world. And other potters do this also. Um, Florian Gadsby is a famous potter who, who used story and permission-based marketing. And also a potter upstate New York, Tim C. So Tim C. uses story-based, permission-based marketing to sell his work. And uh, so there's quite a few artists who use this method to put their stories out there and to contribute. And it involves a lot of community work and it involves a lot of storytelling and all types of things. And it just cycles in a, in a circle that we're gonna talk about. So pick up a chair and we'll hang out in the pottery shed this time, next to the heater, because it's a cold, damp Sunday. And we'll talk about product placement in the market and what distinguishes you from everybody else 
and how to answer your why question, your who question, your what question, and other topics, right? So, so look, this one's going to be a deep one also. And I hope I'm not boring you with these design, these design podcasts, because uh, I'm just on this theme, and it's something I've been thinking about. And a lot of times people, they ask, you know, how, how do I find my style? And how do I create a body of work? So this is part of it. Um, these topics can be part of it, right? So pull up a chair, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run and get a coffee, and I'm gonna meet you right back here around the around the heater in the pottery shed here, next to the cold Tuscarora Creek, and we'll talk about placement and who your pots are for, and the change you're trying to make, if you're trying to make any kind of change, and some other things. All right, I'll see you back here. Greetings, friends. So I'm back to the old pottery shed, pull up a chair on the heater. It's a cold, cold, rainy day, but we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about design work and market placement and what distinguishes your work from everybody else's. So I believe that there's room at the top for everyone, and I come from the idea of abundance rather than scarcity. So I know in places like Seagrove and other places in the South, there are pottery shows where multiple potters come together and sell work together. So it really bothers me when I hear Oh, we have too many potters at this show, and in order to um, help the uh, market out here, we're only going to allow one potter, one glass maker, or one one woodworker. Um, there may be galleries that do this, like oh, we already have a potter in our gallery. We don't want to get too diverse. Uh, so I, I, I kind of agree with, I kind of disagree with that. Uh, simply because it may, it may be okay for them to think like that. Everybody has their own way of thinking. And they may believe that it works fine for the type of market they're working in. Um, however, in my view, in the view of abundance... There's room at the top for everyone because all of our styles are different. And it's amazing what you can do together rather than do against each other, right? So when Nan brought her pots in here, they look gorgeous in here. And I wished I would have done it earlier. I just didn't think of doing it. And I'm glad she's here. Um... So we're going to talk about a little bit about that. So when I was reading uh, Seth Godin, um, he, he talked a little bit about you should ask yourself who the work is for. And I have an ideal customer. Her name is Mrs. Davis. She's a middle-class lady who is 23 to 73, who loves home decor, and she loves 
um, having handmade pottery in her kitchen and to show off as kind of like this farmhouse decor type thing. She may even like baking in it. She loves candles. She loves going to wineries. She likes hanging out with her friends on the weekends. She has her own money to spend. And so Mrs. Davis is a real fun um, working, maybe just recently retired woman who is very independent and enjoys supporting small business and handmade. And she may collect it, right? So that's my ideal customer, Mrs. Davis. So that's who the work is for. So a lot of times potters, they're very leery of listening to others have input on work. But since Mrs. Davis is my ideal customer, I'm going to listen to what Mrs. Davis has to say because I'm interested in how she uses the work and what she uses it for. And so I want to make work that she will be happy with and proud to use and proud to tell her friends about and feel good about herself when she uses it, right? So a few Mrs. Davises, when they stopped in here, um, and I was out of the big things because I didn't get as many out of the kiln as I thought because I blew up some, well, they cracked out. But I, I even overmade and I only got half of them out. But I did sell some large pieces. Um, so they, they had conversations with me um, about how the pieces were made and what would ideally be easier to use and store, right? So I took down those notes and I have a really nice casserole dish that I'm going to be making that one Mrs. Davis helped me design. And I may even name it after her as the casserole dish. And I may even do up 10 or 15 of these and sell them as a run in honor of her helping me. So here, the community is helping me create a product. Now you say, Al, what does that have to do with product placement in the market? And what does that have to do with distinguishing my work from, say, the potter down the road? Or what does that, how does that distinguish your work from, say, Nan, who you have selling in, this, in, the, in the shop with you? Well, all of our styles are different, and the glazes we use are different, the construction is different, and who we sell it to is different. And you can make those distinctions. And when you do, you're not making the, distinct, the, the distinctions out of malice or trying to get one up on the other potter. It should just come naturally. And, and this is this is the thing that if you if you're going to Pinterest and you're getting ideas or you're copying other people's work, it puts you in the same category, right? And you don't want to be in that category because it's harder to sell. You want to be in your own category. You want to be your own creations selling. You might have other elements that you borrowed and the theme and the idea may have come from somebody else, but you you augmented that 
and you reworked that and you reframed that and you hand-built that or you threw that into the handmade style that is yours. Um, to me, the handmade style for here is using the wood rasp on everything. I cannot put that wood rasp down, friends. I've been using that for the last seven years. All my trimming is done with the wood rasp, and that theme has carried through on all the bowls, the large bowls, the mugs, everything. So those texture patterns that show up subtly underneath those glazes is my idea and my way of communicating on those pots, right? So, so that sets me apart, not only from other potters who wheel trim, uh, sets me apart on how I, how I would lay in that texture and also my, my ideal customer is different. So that's two things. It also could be your glaze, you know, your hand mix glaze, uh, your firing techniques. There's a, there's a host of things that set your, you and your work apart from everybody else. And you should not be afraid of any other maker or potter out there. And you should not be afraid that they're in competition with you because whether you believe it or not, you're in your own category and you can define where that category is. So we figured out, I figured out at least, who is it for? Now I need to figure out what's it for and what am I trying to say? So a lot of times uh, hobby potters, they, I start out making mugs and bowls and everybody does in their own styles. So your what could be, you know, oh, I'm, I'm making these as soup bowls and you could define yourself in different ways, making different types of mugs and soup bowls. And you could put a message on your pots by your design and your carvings. There's a million ways to make a design. And I only know of a few. And uh, speaking of Tim C, he, he does these little cartoon figures and he has a storyline running through his work. So that's that's the story he's trying to tell to the world. And it's, and it's pretty amazing. So you need to think about what you would like to say to the world through your work. And is your work communicating that? And is it communicating that in a strong way that other people know what that message can be. Now, I know that's kind of vague and art is interpreted by the buyer um, in, in millions of different ways. Almost every person who comes in contact with your, with your piece will interpret that in a thousand different ways. And there's some things that you can get across very plainly and there's other things that you can leave up to the buyer to decide, but it's all up to you on what your work says about you and what your work says about the person who buys it, right? Like, is the person middle class? Is the person a hipster maybe? 
I don't know. It's for you to decide what your work is trying to say. Now, we get into what change are you trying to make, right? So by making work and saying something to the world, you have the ability to make change and to have the people who follow you make change based on your work. So you say, oh, I don't, I don't believe any of that. And, and it can happen in subtle ways. Like, like the change I'm trying to make is to change Mrs. Davis's view of handmade pots. I'm trying to get her to appreciate the, the, uh, the craftsmanship and the beauty of handmade pots and also have her appreciate that handmade can be multi-purpose and handmade can be stored easily. So that's some of the things that I talked about when I talked about with the Mrs. Davis designing that casserole dish. Uh, I talked about handle height because her concern was if I make the lid into a serving bowl also, that's multi-use, the feet on the bottom would need to be also handles in some way, but not so tall that it would interfere if she flipped it upside down and baked something inside uh, the casserole dish. And also on that lid flipped that when it raised or whatnot, it wouldn't interfere in getting stuck in the handles. So that whole thing. And uh, it was an amazing conversation because I learned so much about it. So having things that are multifunctional, that are handmade, and also what I do with the revenue um, concerning the charity work. So they can make a difference by buying the pots if they know that part of the money is going to help someone. And here I try to help out uh, single mothers quite a bit who may be struggling a little bit after their divorce or something like that, or somebody who's depressed, they get a hug mug, right? Send them a mug free of charge, do wellness checks, say, hey, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that, but I'm calling you to see how you're doing because I was wondering, right? And I care about you and I would miss you if you was gone. And if you need anybody to chat with or just to talk to, uh, feel free to PM me, you know? So that kind of thing happens. And they can make a difference by participating in the Creek Road Pottery community, buying the pots, and enjoying them while helping someone else. So that's the change I'm trying to make. So another thing that I wanted to go over is the idea of doing design work and intentional design work. Um, I, I think that a lot of times when we put handles on things, and we design things in a certain way, um, it took me quite a while to be able to get control of the material and have the skills to design things intentionally, right? So I have a friend um, who makes cat 
cat bowls, raised cat bowls. And she has told me all the work that she put into designing her raised cat bowls. And simply buying one from somebody who may not have studied the whole um, design technique and measurements behind it um, may make them incorrectly and not know it. Now, there's a million ways to make a raised cat bowl. However, there are correct ways of doing it, and my friend uh, seems to have gotten it down, and she makes a lot of them. Um, also, I'm going to attach a, a piece done by Florian Gadsby, where he talks about the intentional manipulations of his form, and he talks a little bit about why he does the things he does with his functional pottery. In this piece, he was talking about a mug. So I'm going to attach that, and I'm going to attach the shop to my friend um, in the show notes. So if you get time, go over there and see her cat bowls and tell her I said hello. So, so those are just some things that can make your work stand out a little bit from everybody else's. And you'll be able to tell your story better and also make change better by knowing who's it for, what's it for, what's it trying to say, and what change you're trying to make. So a lot of times, I think folks become confused on ideas of placement. And they may offer some strange-sounding value propositions that they believe set them out from the rest of the potters. And it's really interesting to hear some of those sometimes. Uh, sometimes they're... Sometimes they're pretty decent. It's some things I never even thought before. Other times, not so much, right? And, and I just give a little bit of a chuckle. I, I keep it to myself because we don't want to be criticizing uh, other people's work. They need to have constructive criticism and come to those ideas and those realizations through making the many. And... They need to be allowed to mess up and they need to be allowed to test things out. And not everything is going to work, right? So it could be that some of the value propositions that they offer um, aren't the best ones, but maybe they're just running a test, right? So so go, go easy on them, right? If it sounds a little bit strange. But um, so, so that's just some things to think about. Think about your intentional your intentional um, manipulations of your forms, what goes on them and why, who your work is for, what you're trying to say, and what change you're trying to make. Because when we put art into the world and it communicates to people, it's going to change them in some way that maybe you didn't even expect. And... I've had people come back to me and talk about how my work influenced them 
And it's been in ways I haven't even realized, you know? So I'm, I'm not saying I'm some superstar, but um, it makes me feel good uh, when somebody was like, hey, I always wanted to try baking bread in, in, a, in a handmade baker with a, with a beer recipe that, that you gave me. And uh, I tried it out, tastes great, and the little baker worked great, and, and we loved it. Like, I, I bought two of them, and I gave one to a friend, and, and we had such, such fun using those bakers. And I feel like I contributed something. And my work isn't complete until I see it come back to where it was used on a kitchen table someplace, right? So that's just me. But I may change somewhere in, in a positive way, I think. You're not going to get it right all the time. It takes lots of practice. So coming up with your theme and your style, I think that's something that you fall into almost accidentally. And it's a byproduct of making lots and lots of work. So I think that your style develops over making the many rather than perfecting the few. And... Um, even if, even if you're a studio potter and you're doing hand builds and you're, you know, doing 10 or 20 a year, I think after maybe five years, if you put all those together, you can see some style uh, developing through those pieces, right? You might not be a production potter. You might only make a few mugs a year, but the more you make and, and when you put all them together, you start seeing... seeing uh, certain characteristics that are clearly yours and you can celebrate those characteristics and that becomes you so for example nan here she she does all her little handmade stamps and they look gorgeous uh, on her pots because they're her stamps on her pots she puts little lines into her pots little scratch marks and um little scratch marks by her handles. That's totally Nan. She does it on all her handles. And uh, it, it's pretty amazing. So it's much different. It's much different than, than my work. So there you have it. I, I don't know. That was kind of deep. That was kind of philosophical. And, and once you get onto this um, and you start building community, this whole thing... Uh, feeds each other uh, like a huge circle in an ecosystem, right? So your community would be your ground that your seed is planted in, and you absorb all that from your community, and it comes up uh, as inspiration, as culture, as influence, and it produces fruit. And your pots are your fruit that drops and fertilizes and people can use and enjoy, and it feeds right back into the community again. So that's just my take on product placement. Who's it for? What's it for? What's it trying to say, right? And using permission-based, story-based marketing to influence, and hopefully for a positive, um, influence the people around you. 
with your art and telling your story. Because friends, we don't have very long to tell our story. And making art is kind of like planting a tree, right? The best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. So you're ready now to start. Life is far too short not to, and you need to tell your story to the world because if you don't, somebody else will, and you might not like what they have to say. So, so take charge of that, and once you feel your product is safe and it functions fairly decent, be brave and put it out there and start finding people who care about what you do, make work that matters for folks who care, and uh, start making change, right? Okay, well, that's the podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed that. Take care of yourselves and each other, and happy potting.